Hi, everybody. Welcome to the B2B Sales Podcast. I'm Skip Miller. And I'm Thibaut Suiris. Every two weeks, we're going to be interviewing thought leaders, experts, and top performers in B2B sales. And every other week, we'll share tactical tips and insights on how to start conversations, generate opportunities, and close deals faster. We're on a mission to change the way people see sales. As you know, sales is a profession that is one of the most rewarding ever. Yet people are afraid to try or really extend themselves. And this isn't really good. This podcast is brought to you by Sales Labs and M3 Learning. If you want to attend the recording of the podcast episodes and ask your questions to the guests, you can join the Selling Advantage community. It's a $25 a month subscription where you get access to a community of B2B salespeople, exclusive events, and tactical resources to help you close bigger deals faster. Join today and get one month for free at www.sellingadvantage.io. So get ready for your dose of sales wisdom, tools, and tactics, and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this new episode of the B2B Sales Podcast. Today, I invited uh, someone who invited me into a, 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 um, sorry, a sales summit, and I'm really excited to get him on the show because he actually did something really interesting. He got my attention by uh, creating a really good, uh, you know, like really good kind of outreach sequence. And I find that he's someone who really knows well how to identify and leverage influ- influential people's network. So it's Adam Verity uh, from Sales Persuasion Summit. Adam, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me, Thibault. Much appreciated. Yeah, how are you doing today? Um, very well. How about you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Doing great. About to end the day, so pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, Adam, um, I think you reached out to me out of the blue. I don't know when, but uh, you reached out to me with a really well-crafted email. And, uh, you know, we've been working together on the Sales Persuasion Summit that you've been, uh, that you're launching. Um, before we dive into how you, you know, you got this approach and this really good strategy, I'd love to learn a bit more about you and your background. So can you just tell us who you are and where you're coming from? Sure thing. Sure thing. So I started in software sales 20 plus years ago, 22 now years ago. And I started as a very horrible salesperson uh, because nobody taught me how to sell. I did not have uh, good social skills or influence skills or persuasion skills because I was a computer science uh, student and a very good one. But what happened is that I couldn't get a job for a year and nine months because I couldn't influence anyone to hire me, although I was top of my class. So I decided, and this was 1999, 2000, I decided to start to learn how to change what people think, what people believe and what people do and to influence their thoughts and behavior. And that's my story. And I've been mixing between sales and persuasion influence psychology since then. I've been a student about this and I've used everything I could to get you to come to join the summit. And I'm very lucky you did. <laughs> yeah. And that was really well crafted. I, I remember a few things struck me was um, first the copywriting. So the way you're writing your emails and the message you're conveying um, was really, really well crafted. Um, you know, different kind of channels you used. And now that we're working on the summit together, you know, the way you organize everything, the emails, how you make it easy for people to share, reshare. But what I was I found interesting is that I checked your LinkedIn profile and you have, I think, around 400 connections, if, mm-hmm. I'm, if I'm not mistaken, which, you know, often when people reach out and have big networks on LinkedIn, it's like, Few thousand everything, and you only let me say only have 400, but you managed mm-hmm. to get a really good lineup. 
Mm -hmm. So I'm really curious to know what's your approach there because a lot of people could say, oh, who's this guy? But you managed to get me, get a lot of people who are, you know, super influential in the world of sales. So I'm mm -hmm. curious to know how, you know, what we can learn from that and how you managed to do that. Sure. Uh, Thibaut, it's not about the number of connections you have. It's always about what you can do with what you know with these connections. That's yeah. that's the main lesson here. So if you remember the way I approached you is I... I pitched you an idea that is very simple. Listen, we'd like to have you for a, for a talk, 30 minutes talk on this summit. So if you're looking for a strategy, it's as follows, really, it's very simple. First, I actually learned about each and every one of you guys. And I reached out to 141 people. Mm -hmm. And I learned about each and every one of those people. I took the time for a complete month to actually learn about you, about the B2B sales podcast, about your outreach system. I learned everything I could from your posts on LinkedIn. In essence, I got to know you a little bit mm -hmm. from your posts and your work because people are always telling you who they are through their work. Yeah, That's the first one. So always know who these people are. Always get to understand their inner thoughts, inner thinking. And the second thing is I was like, okay, great. So this Thibaut, sweetie's guy, is pretty valuable to the community because he is putting out some good stuff. People are reacting to it. So let me understand what is he proud of. And this is the second thing. Always understand what people are proud of. Because people try to make persuasion and influence very complex. Reality, it's very simple. There's only one driver, if you want to really simplify, there's only one driver that moves this humanity, which is your status. Everyone wants to have a higher status, mm -hmm. physically, mentally, psychologically, socially, monetarily, etc. So I thought to myself, okay, how can I get Thibault to come and show his status to us? Well, the way he shows it now anyways is by sharing his knowledge and skills. And that's what I need to do. I need to invite him to talk about his knowledge, his skills, his products. That will raise his status perception, of course, mm -hmm. in people's eyes and his own eyes and in my eyes as well. Yeah. So you always go after what is it that moves this person and to simplify it for your audience and listeners here it's all those people's status well that was and that, that's really what you know like it, as you said you made it very simple but it's it, it is like that simple in the end where if you have people who post out there on linkedin who are you know creating content regularly as you said by studying what they're doing and who they are through their work you get to understand what matters to them and then you can use that to actually get replies and start conversations. One thing I remember, I, I really kind of convinced me. So you reached out and you did the list of people who you were contacting and people who already accepted and others, you know, you were uh, thinking of contacting. And out of these, I saw a bunch of names that I knew, interviewed on my podcast and had some relationship with. And then I was like, oh, if they're here, that must be because, you know, he's doing something right. So I'm going to say yes. So, because I received tons of people who request, you know, to ask me to come to podcast and whatever. And, you know, I just don't, I only have 24 hours in my, in my day. So I'm just vetting, you know, and, and if I see like, okay, it doesn't seem to be something that is re that relevant with an audience that is big enough, I'm not going to do it. But in your case, you kind of created this uh, peer pressure or peer recognition where I was like, okay, there's people who I'm aspiring to actually hang out with, let's say virtually that were in there. And I thought that was really brilliant because that's a really good way to kind of reduce the risk 
of me showing up, doing some work and getting nothing in return. So I think that was really good. Can you tell us a bit more about this strategy? Absolutely. So uh, social proof, we all know about social proof, but that's not the crux of the whole thing. Social proof is great to use. The thing is how to build social proof and up to the social proof. So when I started this building this summit, the sales persuasion summit, I had no one and I had absolutely zero network within those 141 people, including you guys, the 31 who we ended up working together. So I thought to myself, okay, great. How can I start building? And I started building by reaching out to people first who are easier to get to join us than others because they seem to have more free time. Yeah. Again, I could, I could have been wrong because I don't know how busy people are, but I made an assumption of some sort. And then I started building this list and I was very honest. And this is something I want your listeners to really take to the bank. Always be honest about what is it that you're trying to accomplish and what is it that you are trying to, you know, to do for yourself as well as others. People respect that. So for example, when I reached you, I said, this is the list. We're trying to get also these people, but we're not there yet. We are trying. Yeah. Now, by being honest, and this is my my uh, one of my guests, Victor Antonio, who has I have like immense respect for. He said, "Look, the reason I responded to you because you were very honest. You said this is the list, but this is not the recruited list or the people who joined. Yeah. This is who I'm trying to target." And he said, "Adam, you know what? People call me and send me emails, and they lie to me all the time about stuff. And here you are. You came and you said, this is who I am. This is what I'm trying to do. This is the list. Hey.'" Could you please join? And I was like, okay, this guy is honest. So get honesty in your persuasion system, in your mind, but at the same time, use social proof to convince others that, hey, listen, your risk is low because you have bigger names, but don't hit the big names first. Yeah. Start gradually building until you get to those big names. And actually, you were the last one I contacted, literally the last one. And when I presented you this list, and yeah, to me, it was like, you are the hardest for me to get because I, I never knew anything about your work. I never read a book for you, never watched a course, like went through a course with you. So for me, you were like the summit of the summit. And that's when I presented you with this list saying, hey, this is who I am, what I'm trying to do. And this is my social proof. Would you like it or not? And you said like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll join. And I was grateful for that. And yeah. I am still. That's really cool. And I really like your your what you say on honesty. I think it's so important. I was this morning. I was in or uh, yesterday. I was with my wife in the uh, in the grocery uh, store in Berlin where we live, and um, it's called Neto. It's kind of yeah, a really pretty bad uh, shop actually, and they had some ads, you know, where it's like this discount, heavy discount store and whatever. They had some ads where they're saying in German or in English is basically, the so it's an ad to kind of recruit workers, and they were saying Neto is the place where people who know what they want work and i'm like this is exactly the opposite you know if you work at the grocery store or whatever it's often because you don't really have a choice or you're a student so you're, you're doing some other things but if you really know what you want to do you're not really going to work as a you know in a, in a grocery store and mm -hmm. i was like what if they were saying netto the place where you work because that's where you can work you know where you can find work pretty fast wouldn't they hire people a lot more i don't really know but that's the thing we are surrounded 
by this kind of shitty marketing stuff where, you know, we are doing something great. We are changing the world, making the world a better place by selling, I don't know, oil or whatever. And there's right. all the kind of pinkwashing, greenwashing, all these things that are happening, which are super dishonest. We all see through that, but they still happen. So I think that's mm -hmm. really a good, a good point here by being honest and saying, hey, we're not perfect. We're trying to make it happen. And that's also something I sensed with your communication and message that you were saying is that you were super direct, honest. And I really appreciate that because as a human, I was like, this guy seems really nice. And uh, I just, you know, that's the kind of person I want to hang out with, you know, and work. With. So I think that that was, yeah, that was a really good, good thing on honesty there. Thank you. Um, a mentor of mine, uh, he once taught me that you can, you can absolutely manipulate any person, but only one time. Yeah. And then they will figure you out. Yeah. Well, my game in this world, in this life is a long term game. I want, for example, when I strike a relationship with you, I want it to be for life. I want it to, for me and you to have, you know, opportunities, collaboration, 30 years down the road, 25, whatever long we, we are going to work. And one day, probably when we are very old, maybe become friends and hang out and fish somewhere. You see, that's my strategy. And that's why I employ all this influence and persuasion psychology to build long-term relationships. But it always starts from the status of the person. How can I add value to your status in the world? Yeah. And it's always this way. And if your listeners are B2B salespeople, please ask yourself this question before you pick up the phone. How can I add more status to this person's life? Not to his problems, needs, and wants. This is the biggest lie in sales by the way, that you talk about people's li uh, problems and needs and wants at the very first call. No, you no. talk about how can you actually improve their status in their companies and the world and do your homework. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what I did with you guys. Yeah, that was that was really good. And another another part of it is uh, communicating your message through, through the copy. So again, your emails are always spot on the way you communicate. You make it like super clear, well-prepared. So can you tell me a bit more about the, the approach you have with copywriting? Because you know what you're doing here. So I'm really curious to know how you learned all that. Sure, sure. Uh, I studied several several people copywriting. When I say studied with them, I went literally and lived with them for weeks, some 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 of them. And some others, I just read their books one or one or two times. And I'm very passionate about advertising copy uh, from like the Ogilvy's and before, from the 30s and 20s and 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 to this very day. But the thing is to simplify it for our listeners and ourselves, it's two, there are two questions you need to ask yourself before you flip open the laptop and start writing an email. First of all is, okay, what is it the message I want to communicate at the very end? Like in the final analysis, what is it that I want to really say? Really, really say. Without all the hope, I, this will find you well at all. You know, what is it that you want to say? That's number one. Be very clear, super clear, clear about that. The second is that how... And, oh, sorry, what would I want this person to feel? Mm -hmm. I want Thibaut to feel excited. I want him to feel sympathetic. I want him to feel angry at somebody or some cause and so on. So always think of those two. What is it the message you want to communicate and what do you want this person to feel? And then you start with the actually the feeling. And you, you start crafting and writing a message using words that ignite feeling. So there are what I call bland words, mm -hmm. words like um, um, performance. That's a very bland word. Yeah. And, and there's a, there are words like achievement that makes yeah. you feel yeah. something. If you care about achievement, of course. 
There are yeah. words like um, the this statistics or the analytics of our recent studies. And these are very bland, empty yeah. words. And our recent findings from our learnings and mistakes is a whole different way of saying things. Yeah. So always Eben Pagan, if I don't know if you've studied with Eben Pagan or know about his marketing business, I'm a student of Eben Pagan, EbenPaganTraining.com for those who want to study with him. He always said, craft every word as if it's a book, every yeah. single word, make it matter because this is a real estate in your email that should matter. Yeah. So every word should be emotional or emotion inducing words. So instead of me saying to boy, I would, um, last year's conference show that 35% of people who visited your interview will actually go and visit your website. No, no, we don't do that. We don't, these are statistics. We, these are not emotions. But I would say, for example, instead, hey, Tibu, um, because of last year's conference, I found out that I'm able to help you increase the traffic to your website from this particular video by 35% only if you do this and this and that. And now you are thinking about, ah, oh, if I do this and that, oh, wow, you're getting excited. And this is what I do in emails. I, I talk emotional language, not statistics and facts, but then I deliver the facts impact yeah. on people, like giving them the real deal, the honesty. Yeah. So always think about what is it that you want this person to feel? And this is more important than anything else. And then what is it really the message you want to say? And if I can add a third one, which is just a nice to have, uh, do not make your email short. And this goes against everybody else's advice. Do not make it short. Make it impactful. And let me tell you why. People would watch Netflix episodes for hours and they wouldn't care. Yeah. Not a bit. People will go and watch or, or read stories of 700 pages and they wouldn't care. The lesson here is as long as you are engaging people emotionally, your email could be three pages and people would not care. Mm -hmm. And the proof is the emails I'm sending to you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's very interesting. Cause it goes against like, uh, uh, everything I've, I've read or personally for me, I, I think, you know, I kind of agree with you. I would think it's just that copywriting, you know, bringing emotions, knowing what you want to communicate are a craft that takes a lot of practice. You have to be writing a lot to kind of be able to, you know, carry this emotion and really get good at that. And the problem is, uh, for me, I can see I write a, I write an email newsletter every week and uh, it's a long form message. It's kind of like, you know, I kind of dig into and, and I start learning how it works. And then I can see the job is you do a first sentence. So the second one, you, you know, you can read the second one and keep going like that. Mm. And basically you end up, you know, kind of creating a transformation with your email. I think we just say to people, be short because most SDRs, most people who are prospecting, are just pretty bad at that. And if they, you know, crafting a long email will take them like years to be able to kind of do what you've been doing. So I think that's why we often we often say that. So I kind of agree with you a bit, you know, with that they should be long. I feel like for, you know, it's it's something that that is really adapted for email marketing and uh, cold outreach, I guess, I don't know, it's uh, it's 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 my vision, but I think that's a really good point on, on what you said. Well, one thing, um, you know, I, I, yeah, I really like like the... Uh, the emotion. So you have a list of emotion, emotional words, or how does it work to find the emotional words there? 
Uh, no, I don't. I, I sincerely don't. I, I read a lot of them. Yeah. Yes, before in, in copywriting books and manuals and what have you, of course. There's so many of them on Amazon. You can't yeah. find them. And of course, online. But the thing is, I always, always think about it this way, Thibaut. What kind of words would you use if you meet me in person and you want to get me motivated about something? Doing something or not doing something? You are very good at this innately. We are old because, look, any SDR, any AE, any person in sales, they have that capacity when they meet people face to face. Yeah. Well, when we we, you know, stand in front of a computer screen or sit in front of a computer screen, we are taught to start behaving and thinking and communicating differently. Yeah. In a different formal way, business language way. You know what? Nobody cares. Yeah. Talk to people in email. You see my emails last, like yesterday's email was, the subject was 10, 9, yeah. 8, 7. It's like, this is my subject to you because yeah. this is what we do in real life in New Year's, New Year's Eve or yeah. in a birthday. We count down this way. Yeah. So talk to people in emails like you talk to them in real life. If you are used to say, to, 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 to ignite curiosity in people by saying, Hey, listen, this is something pretty cool. Yeah. Don't stay in emails. I think you would find this fascinating. <laughs> no. Yeah, exactly. Don't use that language. Hey, use the same language. Hey, listen, I would I think that you find this pretty cool and interesting and exciting. Yeah. Use those words. So speak right like you speak, even on yeah. video. Just talk to people. Yeah. They are humans. Absolutely. And it's funny for I'm French. I, you know, and in France we learn how to write. And we learn that you have to write in a certain way that is different than the way you speak. So it's kind of, you have to be, you know, like unlearn what you've learned so you can, you know, write like you speak, which I think is, is a really good advice. So yeah, that, that's good. Um, one last question. So one thing I'm curious is if you can tell us a bit more about Sales Persuasion Summit. So I know a bit about that, but I'm sure like the listeners would be curious to know what they should uh, attend and what they're going to learn there. Sure thing. So the Sales Persuasion Summit is a place where I envisioned having 31 sales experts and persuasion influence experts come together to teach people, teach us, account managers, SDRs, BDRs, sales executives, some tools, some skills, some strategies that are needed and required in this world. You see, after the pandemic, after the inflation, and now people talking about recession, things have changed a bit. It's not, we don't sell the same way we sold two or three years ago. So I wanted some people, good people who have good messages to come and, go and say, tell us, listen, this is how I want you to think. I want you to think about the market, your prospects, your clients in X, Y, and Z subjects. And I don't want them to talk about the same things like before, the CRM and the process. And honestly, nobody cares anymore. We want people to tell us how to actually get more leads. And I went through the 100 plus people, 140 plus people. I brought them together. We have some amazing names in the summit. We're actually very fortunate. You are on top of the list yourself. Thank you. So, and we asked those people to come and talk to us. Every interview is around 30 to 40 minutes mm -hmm. long. It's going to happen between September 26th and 28th, three days. Your ticket is free. In fact, I'm throwing in some amazing bonuses for people who sign up through your show. So people can go to salespersuasionsummit.com forward slash B2B sales podcast, and they will see a special page for your listeners 
and they can sign up for actually free tickets and some bonuses as well. I think it's pretty cool if people check it out the uh, speakers list. I'm the most. This is the, this is the most amazing list I could have ever dreamt of of sales influencers, to share with you. You know, the pinnacle, the tip of their wisdom. Like I tried to squeeze every bit of wisdom from those people, and they were very generous. Yeah, yeah. The interview is really cool. So I think, uh, yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be very exciting. Um, so Adam, you know, I'm going to put the link in the description of the show. Uh, sure. thanks for having me in the, in the summit. And also thanks for coming on the show to share your knowledge was really good. And My if pleasure. people want to reach out to you, where should they go? Salespersuasionsummit.com forward slash B2B sales podcast. We will start from there. And of course, they will find all details after they sign up. They will find my support system. They'll find my LinkedIn page. They'll find everything there. And but yeah, salespersuasionsummit.com forward slash B2B sales podcast. Excellent. Cool. Thank you very much, Adam. Thanks for listening to that episode. If you like what you hear and you want to explore more, I invite you to join the Selling Advantage community. It's a paid community we're running with Skip Miller, where you're going to get access to a content library with training, checklist, and exclusive resources. You'll also get access to our experimentation swipe file and a Discord group with 150 Texas people. We also have online events where we invite special guests, a regular Ask Us Anything, and our content is focused on sales for North America and EMEA. If you want to check it out, go to sellingadvantage.io or click on the link in the show notes and you'll be able to sign up.